0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to
1: Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I usually read a listener mail at the end of a podcast, but I'm going to start with one just because it's going to perfectly set up why we're doing this podcast and this podcast topic in general. All right. This email is from Tiff, and she writes, I have worked in a pharmacy for over 12 years now. The easiest way to get all the employees worked up is to begin a debate on the morning after pill. Since the original pill was marketed, it has been the subject of a lot of heated discussions. Our main fear is that the pill can be purchased without seeing a doctor and that women are buying it not fully informed. We are seeing a lot of young adults and teens come to the store to buy Plan B, and even though they are underage, they will send their boyfriends or friends who are of age to get around the rule. The main reason behind the purchase is that a condom broke. They will get the pill and not go to their doctor. With the broken condom, there are a lot of bigger risks than pregnancy that Plan B does not protect women from. Many teens are afraid that parents who provide their insurance will learn of any doctor appointments. They think of morning-after pills as miracle pills instead of the first step in their health care. I'm hoping that in a future podcast, you might be able to discuss the positives and negatives of the morning-after pill so that people become more informed. There are many misconceptions, even within the medical field, about this pill. For instance, it is not an abortion pill, but it is a high dose of birth control hormones, and it is expensive, but still cheaper than a kid, I say. And she would like us to tell our listeners the importance of still going to the OBGYN annually if you're sexually active. So... Thank you, Tiff, for the suggestion. And it's true, I do think there are a lot of misconceptions about the morning after pill, which is why it is the subject of today's podcast. Right,
0: and Tiff isn't the only person who has written and requesting this topic, so I figured that it was high time that we talk about the morning after pill because absolutely, there is so much controversies surrounding it and also the the fight with the FDA around getting this pill not only on the market but now to the over the counter status for kids um 17 and up mm-hmm. has been going on for so long sort of be- behind the scenes um so now it's over the counter and the question is what What's it do into your body? How does it work as emergency contraception? Because I think, well, maybe before we, we dive into the pill or plan B in depth, we should go over the three main types of emergency contraception. If, you know, if, if you, if you, if the condom breaks or if you don't use
1: a condom, um, Or if if you're a victim of sexual assault and want to avoid pregnancy, anytime that you've had sex and you want to avoid pregnancy, unprotected sex, want to avoid pregnancy, emergency contraception is an option. And within that option, there are three different types of emergency contraception.
0: And the first one, of course, is the morning after pill Um, that can come under the brand name of Next Choice, Plan B, One Step, or Ella. Ella is the newest one. Yes. And then next up, we have the Paragard, which we've talked about in uh, podcasts a while ago. And this is an intrauterine device, a.k.a. an IUD. It's um, a copper IUD that can be inserted into the uterus. And a lot of times women will get these for long-term contraception, but it can also be used for emergency contraception if inserted less than five days after unprotected sex.
1: And the last uh, type of emerg- emergency contraception is combination birth control pills. And these are just, you know, regular old birth control pills, but you take uh, different dosages of them after the unprotected sex to prevent pregnancy. But the real focus of today's episode are those pills the next choice, the plan B, one step, or the Ella. And uh, it's often called the morning after pill because uh, for a long time you had just 72 hours to take a pill for it to be effective. Now, with the introduction of Ella, you can take it up to 120 hours after the unprotected sex, so that gives women a little bit more time to uh, gain access to it.
0: Now, and generally speaking, these forms of emergency contraception are different from the so-called abortion pill that we'll talk about um, a little in a little bit more detail in, in just a minute. But these forms of contraception prevent pregnancy by either preventing or delaying ovulation, blocking fertilization, or keeping a fertilized egg from implanting in the uterus. And all of that is a result of the hormones um, that you put into your body, or in the case of the Paragard, the copper that, that blocks the egg from being able to, um, the sperm, I should say, from being able to reach the egg
1: so now plan b one step and next choice use a hormone called levonorgestrel which is a progestin and ella uses a progesterone agonist antagonist called ulipristal acetate and so those are the two names of the hormones that uh, you can be on the lookout for that's what you're putting in to your body if you take one of these pills and uh you know like Kristen said it it prevents uh fertilization or implantation or ovulation but if you're already pregnant these pills will have no effect. And that right there is one of the
0: main reasons why we it's so important to distinguish between emergency contraception and the abortion pill, which like I said we'll talk about in just a second. An emergency contraception is a highly effective option for Preventing pregnancy after unprotected sex, it's not 100% guaranteed. Um, for instance, an estimated one to two out of 100 women who have unpro- unprotected sex one time and correctly use emergency contraception will still Get pregnant, but still the odds are pretty good that it can prevent pregnancy. Right,
1: it's not as good as a regular birth control, regular contraception, because uh, when you correctly use things like condoms or your pills, you have better chances. But if if the emergency happened, that's why it's called emergency contraception. Then uh then it's a really great option.
0: Now I didn't realize Molly before we started researching this podcast was that Plan B has been on the market since nineteen. 19- 98, but it's only been in the past what year that it's been available over the counter for 17 year olds for 17 year olds and, and up. And also, um, the, uh, their male partners can also access it if they are 17 and ups. But back in, you know, 1998, the early 2000s, gynecologists were really excited about the prospect of plan B because they thought that women would make it part of their you know, routine birth control regimen and have it on hand to take in case of unprotected sex, because each year there are about 3.5 million unintended pregnancies that happen within the United States. And back in 2001, especially when this fight with the FDA to get it um, approved for over-the-counter really started, um, gynecologists were really hoping that it would cut that statistic in half that's how much promise they they placed in plan b
1: and they really thought that they would have common ground with people who are opposed to abortion because if there's one thing that people who favor abortion rights and also oppose abortion can agree on is that there need to be fewer abortions overall and they thought that this pill because it prevents pregnancy not terminates pregnancy would be sort of a middle ground uh it wasn't as you can probably guess or you've seen on the news but one thing you know Like you said, gynecologists are really excited and they advocated having Plan B just on hand, even if you didn't think you'd ever have unprotected sex. As one researcher said, you don't buy a fire extinguisher when you have a fire. You have a fire extinguisher on hand in case there's a fire. But on the other hand, people were saying this shouldn't just be on hand because some women will use it in place of regular contraception,
0: right? The number one argument I would say the anti-abortion groups had against the morning after pill was that it was going to cause young women, especially to just go sexually wild. They so were crazy. They were going to engage in a lot of high risk sexual behavior because they had that parachute. Mm-hmm. In the form of Plan B, mm-hmm. but there has been no evidence that that is in any way correct. First of all, um, in studies that have been done in which they give women full access to Plan B, they actually like hand it to them and say, "Here you go," or they, you know, provide some kind of clinical access to it, or they have a control group where it would just be like anyone having to go through the same channels to get Plan B. Even the people who had access, direct access to the morning after pill, really didn't use
1: it very often. Yeah, and within the groups, those three groups Kristen was talking about, and this is from a 2005 study at the University of California, San Francisco, having it in your bedroom, you know, your bedside table drawer had no greater impact than a woman who had to go to a pharmacy or go to a doctor to get access to it. Uh, they both, these groups got pregnant in the same amounts and they contracted sexually transmitted diseases in the same amounts. And so what the researchers were able to garner is that women who had access to plan B still use contraceptives or didn't use contraceptives in the same amount. They engaged in the same type of sexual behavior, whether they had plan B or they didn't. They got pregnant in the same amount. So basically, these researchers are saying that having access to plan B does not result in uh, more pregnancy or less pregnancy. It basically hasn't had much of an impact at all. But I think that's because there is such a lack of information about it. Um, You know, you kind of have to wonder if you have it in your bedside table drawer and don't use it, what, what thinking is there. But women don't use it, by and large, even when they have access to it. And these worst fears of people who wanted to ban access to it really haven't come true. I think the world looks pretty much the same with increased access to Plan B.
0: Right, and maybe one of the reasons why... Women aren't taking into the numbers that they, that, that they could be. Um, the reason why that, that unplanned pregnancy number really hasn't budged much over the years since it's been available is because it might get mixed up with the abortion pill. The abortion pill is also called RU486, um, and
1: also mifepristone. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between the two because mifepristone is basically a medication abortion. You just take a pill and it terminates a pregnancy. And so that really has, like Kristen said, caused a lot of confusion between the two. And as we said at the beginning of the podcast, emergency contraception prevents pregnancy. Medication abortion terminates an already established pregnancy. Now, asterisks, um, it kind of depends what your definition of pregnancy is. Right, because earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that the, the
0: three major ways that the morning after pill can prevent an unwanted pregnancy is by either preventing or delaying ovulation, blocking fertilization, or preventing a fertilized egg from implanting in the uterus. Now, that last point with implantation is where the waters start to get kind of muddy between whether or not
1: you can classify the morning after pill as an abortifacient. Right, and there if you're very much against abortion, you would probably say that life actually started when the egg was fertilized, that the implantation is just sort of the way that the fertilized egg gets its nutrition and thus the pregnancy started prior to the implantation. If you're trying to block pregnancy at, before implantation takes place, then that is a form of abortion. However, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists And the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has defined pregnancy as beginning when implantation is completed. So bearing in mind that some people will say it's a slippery slope, that to uh, block implantation is the same as an abortion versus people who say it's not a pregnancy till implantation occurs, bearing in mind that this debate is taking place, we're going to go with this established definition from the College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and say It's after implantation.
0: Well, and no matter what, I think it's so important to distinguish between morning after pill and um, so-called abortion pill because they work by two completely different processes. Uh, mifepristone can be taken up to 63 days after the first day of your last menstrual period. And uh, Mifepristone ends the pregnancy by blocking the hormones necessary for maintaining the pregnancy. And then the follow-up hormone that you take called misoprostol causes the uterus to contract and empty.
1: Right. And so this is why we were saying that if you're already pregnant, uh, emergency contraception is not going to have any effect because that hormone to end a pregnancy is completely different than the hormone that blocks the fertilization, ovulation, or the implantation. So they're totally different hormones and they are aimed at causing different things. And one thing that we haven't touched on yet, Molly, are the
0: side effects. Clearly, if you are sort of amping up these, these levels of hormones in your body, your body's going to react in some way. So the most common side effect of emergency contraception with, say, Plan B or Ella include nausea and vomiting. You might have some abdominal pain, breast tenderness, dizziness, fatigue, headache, and irregular bleeding along with that. The side effects for a medication abortion with the abortion pill is is more severe. It's similar to those of a miscarriage and can include abdominal pain, bleeding, changes in body temperature, dizziness, fatigue, and gastrointestinal distress.
1: And you also have a medication abortion under the supervision of a doctor, whereas emergency contraception is available over-the-counter, as we said, for those who are 17 and older. And that over-the-counter availability is where most of the debates over-the-morning-after pill center. As we mentioned, there were a lot of problems getting the FDA to approve the pill for for widespread sales. But I mean, think about how we started this email It was with an email from a pharmacist mm-hmm. who is concerned about dispensing the morning after pill, not because she has an objection to it that doesn't that didn't come through in her email. but there are pharmacists who do. If you do have a very strict definition of when pregnancy starts, you may not want to hand out. The morning after pill. And there are tons of stories on the Internet. You don't have to go very far to find them about women who are seeking out a morning after pill only to be told no by a pharmacist or to have trouble getting in touch with a doctor who could prescribe it, finding a pharmacy that will will give it to them. And so this this question of how available or accessible it should be is is usually at the heart of discussions about the morning after pill. So
0: I would say the day-to-day backlash of the um, over-the-counter access that we now have to Plan B is the fact that over the past few years, a number of state legislatures have debated whether or not to pass things called conscience clauses that would allow a pharmacist to deny the sale of Plan B to someone.
1: Right, we read one uh, legal review that went over whether a person could do that. And uh, yes, the conscience clause was passed that gives them the right to say this does not meet with my personal beliefs. I you know, believe it's wrong to give you this pill. Go somewhere else. And according to the research that this legal scholar had done, you know, they they really could have the right to do that just because so far the court cases that have been uh, established regarding reproductive freedom guarantee us access to. Uh, a morning after pill or an abortion, but they do not guarantee us availability to those services. So they can't force a hospital to perform abortions. They can't force a pharmacy to dispense the morning after pill. So it, it really can be part of, you know, it can be a complicated journey if you just want to take this pill, something bad happened, you know, the condom broke, sexual assault, whatever. And uh, that's why Planned Parenthood is raising the flag and saying if you want to get it and you need to just find a place where you can get it, come to our website. We'll tell you where you can get it in your area.
0: Right. Because uh, legally, the act of of a pharmacist refusing to fill a prescription or make that over the counter sale of Plan B can be interpreted as a form of speech mm-hmm. which could possibly be protected under the 1st amendment. Now there have also been questions of whether or not freedom of religion can play into this because some pharmacists have raised um, religious objections to filling these um these orders with a with the morning after pill. Um But like you said, Molly, it's still, um, it's shaky legal ground because of that difference between access and availability. And the, um, the paper that we are referring to kind of compared it to a woman who goes to a hospital and wants to have an abortion. You know, she, she can, you know, any doctor she goes to doesn't have to agree to give her an abortion, just like any pharmacist she goes to doesn't have to agree to give her the morning after pill.
1: So it's interesting to me, Kristen, in researching this podcast is that most of the things that you'll bring that you pull up when you're searching for information about the morning after pill relate to that conflict, the conflict of whether it's right for a woman to take it, whether it's not right for a woman to take it. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, based on that University of California, at San Francisco study we talked about, women really aren't taking it. Um, so it's almost like putting the horse before the cart, because is it worth having this debate when it really hasn't had the effect yet that some researchers thought it would? But I think it's because, according to another study we found, only 3% of, female, of women's doctors discuss Plan B with them. And because it's, you know, never going to be this huge seller, uh, the, the pharmaceutical companies behind the pills have said, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of money advertising these. We're not going to, they're not going to ever turn a profit for us. So we're not going to advertise them. We're not going to spend a lot of investment in educating people about them. So it's really this argument over something that's not very widespread, not very widely used and, and largely misunderstood, which is, I think it gets into a larger issue of how we politicize, uh, reproductive freedom in this country, which is obviously a topic for a whole nother podcast. But what we wanted to do with this podcast was just raise the awareness of the fact that the morning after pill is an option in case your own doctor isn't discussing it with you.
0: And it's important to highlight the fact that it, that the morning after pill is something completely distinct from the abortion pill, and also that the argument that having greater access to the morning after pill is somehow going to radically alter women's sexual behavior is totally bogus. Um, again, from that that article that you're referencing where only 3% of women's doctors are discussing Plan B with them. Also, um, researchers have found that 73% of women who had used emergency contraception had used it only once, mm-hmm. so it remains... An emergency, like you compared it to a fire extinguisher, you know, a, a fire's not going to break out all the time, but when it does, it's there and you probably are only going to need to use it once or twice. So it's nothing to be scared of. It's a resource that women should be informed about and should have access to I believe
1: and let's balance that with the email received at the beginning of the episode that yes it is a resource but it's only part of a spectrum of services you should be utilizing if you're a sexually active woman or man you know just taking the pill does not prevent the morning after pill does not prevent you from sexually transmitted diseases yes so there's still follow up to do in terms of your sexual health but knowing that it's an option within that spectrum of things available to you I think is pretty important so now I turn
0: it over to you, our wonderful listeners. Let us know your thoughts on this, um, and also going back to the original email, the whole question over whether or not pharmacists should um, be allowed to refuse the sale of Plan B. Curious to hear what or you, Ella, or Ella. Curious to hear what you have to say about that. Although we should say that you do have to have a prescription to get Ella, so it is a little bit different. But at the same time, they can refuse to fill that prescription. So let us know. Where you stand, MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And as we eagerly await your responses, I've got an email here in response to our female superheroes two-part extravaganza. And this is a combination of emails from Brandon and Ariana, who pointed out that a lot of the characters that we highlighted in the podcast were DC comic characters. Whereas... Marvel Comics and the Marvel Universe is a lot friendlier to female superheroes. And this is from Ariana. She says, I noticed a big difference, especially in relation to the podcast, because Marvel has more real women than DC, in my opinion. As I was growing up reading mostly Marvel Comics, I was nothing but inspired and empowered by the women I saw and read about. A lot of women in the Marvel Universe hold very high positions, hold jobs in male-dominated industries, or simply some of the most important characters in their world. For instance, she points out in Iron Man, Tony Stark's personal assistant, Pepper Potts. Although that is a stereotypically female job, she is the glue that holds Tony Stark together. Um, in Uncanny X-Men, she says the single most important mutant in their world is Jean Grey Summers, a woman. She is the most powerful and has the most potential with her superpowers. And then in the Fantastic Four, the invisible woman, aka Susan Storm, was a student at Columbia and the hard scientist when she went on a space exploration that led to her superhuman abilities. She is an equal member of the Fantastic Four. And then Brandon goes on to add, that we need to pay some attention to Hawkeye aka Kate Bishop who's a member of the Young Avengers. Kate steps up and saves the day using combat skills she's nurtured for years prior to her first appearance and joins the Young Avengers afterwards. And then to name a few other Marvel characters we have Daredevil's ally Elektra and Shadowcat of X-Men. So... So many, so many different, uh, superhero, female superheroes we didn't even have time to highlight. Keep them coming. You can send us them at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can post them on our Facebook page, get a conversation going over there. You can tweet it to us at momstuffpodcast, or you can leave us a comment on our blog. It's stuff mom never told you, and it's at howstuffworks.com. On this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com to learn more about the podcast. Click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's safe, COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.